The Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. Whose interest does this new legislation really serve? And a Facebook moderator says that he was forced to watch cannibalism in his duties at Facebook. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm fantastic. What you got today? <laughs> well, I had so much from the other. So Saturday we did our WSB show, which will we post on Wednesdays, and then on Thursdays we post our podcast. And a lot of times, I the stuff that I have prepared for the WSB show is a little deeper and a little more involved than you can get to when you get all those commercial interruptions when you're doing it live. So I have a lot of stuff that is just peels the onion one more layer from the stuff we were talking about then. Specifically, uh, I have, we talked a lot about Alex Jones and there was another case that was, uh, a setback. There was a victory for the Sandy Hook parents, and the cases themselves, the headlines which we talked about were very misleading on where the uh, on on what was actually resolved during the case. And in the end, as I looked at what was really going on, it had nothing to do with uh, with whether Sandy Hook the official narrative was true or not it had nothing to do with the the distress of the of the parents and the families really it's all coming down to how to use this stuff to regulate and censor the internet and there are other there are other agenda at work but i had observed that this was exactly what what the policymakers tried and failed to enact with pippa and sopa like eight years ago, but they were actually using the same arguments only from the angle of the private sector to do what they were said that they were doing in the first place. So for me, I got taken down from WordPress. They said, because I broke a copyright law in posting the picture of a Sandy Hook victim. And there is absolutely no way I did that. Like if I had the time and money to fight it, I would have won on that particular issue. But WordPress would not isolate that issue. They warned me about it, and then they took me, took me down, but they didn't, like, tr- connect those two dots, so I probably wouldn't get back up on WordPress. So I'm not going to fight it, and besides, it's, like, such a beating. But it's clear to me that this is all about a backdoor to controlling the Internet. They tried to do it just through regulations, but people just weren't ready for it, and, like, 115,000 websites went on strike and then uh so clearly so so they are the policymakers are acting like from two different directions that they are going to address this big power of these big tech companies from doing things like they did to me or suppressing conservative thought and there's two ways they're doing that one is this Hawley bill which is probably a messaging bill as you've defined for us where it's not actually going to get passed but it's setting a precedent where big tech is going to be responsible for having an unbiased political approach and they have to in order to not be held responsible for the content on their websites. They have to prove that they're politically neutral. It's a crazy, impossible How do you prove that? Yeah, you can't, and it's not going to happen, and it's not meant to happen, but it's meant to open the door, as you say with these messaging bills, to 
something like that. It really tries to take uh, this Section 230, I think it's called, and neutralize it a little bit. That 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 says that hosts like Google or Twitter or Facebook are not publishers and that they cannot be held responsible for the content. And actually, there's definitely – today was a big hit to that. The – Rush was talking about it, and a listener sent it to me this um, – I had posted the sh- the Twitter shadow banning video on our website, thepropreport.com, in the pool. But today was another kind of companion to that from James O'Keefe, the Veritas videos, where the Google guy said, we do, we are trying to address the Trump problem. We are trying to change the search results to affect the election, which there were, there's tons of reporting before the Trump election that that's what they can and did do anyway. So I don't believe that they didn't do it, that they were driven to it because now they realize there's a lot of racist and misogynists out there and something they couldn't just allow people free expression because people are bad. That's their new story. I'm not buying it. But uh, so that that is demonstrating that Google and they even say it in the video, Google is acting as an editor, as a publisher as a curator, and that would nullify their access to Section 230, which if Google can't use it, nobody else is really going to be able to use it, and that would effectively eliminate that too. So they're just trying different backdoors to get uh, this stuff suppressed. But in the end, they are not uh, really – the only the, – the, it, it will – other things are happening – in that same guise that will not help the little guy. Another thing they're saying that they're trying to do to control the power of Facebook and Google is an act that you brought up, Binkley, called the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. And that is not what what it sounds like. What it is, it sounds like it's trying to diminish the power of Facebook and Google. But what it is actually doing is trying to make sure that the media that can stand up to Facebook and Google, the mainstream media from this other medium, the content providers rather than the platforms, have an unfair advantage over the little guy. And that and this will effectively crush the small news provider by allowing the big media providers to absorb basically all the surplus ad revenue that Facebook and Google currently allow for. So I'm guessing, I, I, it's hard to understand how it works exactly, but I was just thinking that you would that you would put up firewalls so that people can't just click through on Facebook and Google unless you allow it. And that would mean you would get like a little royalty from Facebook and Google. But these big mainstream media companies want to come in and just cut a deal with Facebook and Google so that they just share the ad revenue. And it's kind of like, to me, sharing the spoils at the top, concentrating the power, making sure that you can get outsized ad revenue, I think. That's what it came off to me is sharing the spoils when I read through it and I watched some of the hearings on it. Right. But if it was like just a naked competition and Facebook is about to get this insulation, regulatory barriers to entry that they are going to have to – once you make these guys actually – 
responsible for content, little guys can get gawkered. <laughs> so they can they can if if they, if little platforms, anybody who wants to compete with Facebook, if somebody uses that platform for nefarious purposes, which they would be set up to do, like they would put somebody in there to destroy a gawker or destroy whatever platform by then having them do something bad. And and with so if Facebook can absorb the costs of the kind of censorship and regulation that – so like with seatbelts or airbags, they were inefficient, uneconomical for a long time. So you couldn't hold auto companies responsible for it when it wasn't feasible. You could not – you could have – automobiles would be $100,000. But once they're feasible, then they can require it. So if Facebook demonstrates the ability – to screen out that stuff, then that will be the standard. And little guys won't be able to do it, and it will it will justify these policies that require it. Well, if it's possible, then you should do it. Nobody will say, well, it's possible, but then only Facebook can do it, and Facebook will bring their – I don't think it's like a left-leaning thing. I think it's a big, big state, big tech thing, like a you know, Internet of Things, 5G, kind of total surveillance, total information yeah. awareness thing. I think this this is really where the left-right thing is being used as a dialectic to get our eye off the ball that it's us versus them. I mean, I haven't really seen a new example of that in a long time, but that's what this is. And this The this, ones that would get yeah. blocked out of it, the ones that are going to be hurt the most by it, are the independent sources that are most likely to question things that aren't – there's like a – definition list in the in the bill that defines what a a news agency is yeah i have it let me read it to you it says the bill would create a safe harbor for four years to any print or digital news organization that creates original news and is commercially marketed uh they will be allowed to jointly negotiate terms of trade with online content distributors that displays distributes or directs users to news articles and has not fewer than a million monthly active users uh, in the aggregate of all the websites. And then the news, the news agencies, oh, there's actually, it's 2,000 newspapers across the U.S. and Canada. I lost where the, what was it? It was like a certain number of employees and. You had to be creating a certain amount of content and it had to be a certain percentage of it had to be. News and a certain percentage had to be original, and basically you have to have a pretty large staff and a pretty massive budget and already be pretty established to meet these qualifications. Right. Is what I gathered from it. But the way they talk about it is they act like this is a legislation to help the little guy. They, they say the local yeah. guy, the little guy, but the locals that are benefiting from it are the ones that are already – established pretty much institutional mainstream outlets in those locales that have millions of, of followers already and meet all these requirements. I do think that all of this stuff that supposedly benefits journalism, what they are actually doing is they're feeding into that that new criteria that I originally flagged with the Vern Jordan thing and clearly has been coming down since you know, for the past three years where it's just authority, 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 that that the big mainstream news 
providers are are we're now expected to curate the news and those are the ones that are going to get these protections so and it's going to look like it's the it's media diversity which came from one of your propaganda books or is it the CIA but it was the CIA book like different wasn't it where it said you need as many different sources as possible but they're really just providing the same I think that was the field morale manual yeah. from the CIA. Yeah, I think so. But I think this is going to give it that sense, but the little guy is going to get totally squeezed out one way or another. Because they didn't – the copyright claim of that picture, I was reproducing a picture that was falsely reported on in the BBC. So – they didn't take the BBC down, <laughs> you no. know. Why not? Either they didn't sue them, or they can just th- bounce that stuff right off. You know what I mean? So these are a lot of this stuff is nuisance suits and all that to get the little guy out. And at the same time, it looks like journalists and media are being protected from from the big bad tech guys. But this is the big bad media six companies anyway. For the most part. I mean, a lot of those newspapers, it says 2,000 newspapers. I doubt there are 2,000 newspapers that aren't owned by one of a very small handful of companies. Absolutely. They and they all like work with similar fact checkers nationwide. They all. Oh, well, they all pull the stuff off of Associated Press and uh, the three big Reuters and the other one. So it's already the wealthiest yeah. helping out the wealthiest, is what this bill It's not. Is doing. I don't even. I don't even think about it as the money thing. Like I, I almost wonder when I look at these CEOs and I hear about stakeholders. I, I, I think the CEOs are politicians at this point. Like I think yeah. they're just they get a lot of money out of it, but they're there. I mean, when you look at Gillette and AT and T and those ads, Target and the things that they do, they're really. They're not appealing to their base's sensibilities at all. They're not there to make you feel comfortable. They're there to use their market power for social engineering, and they and they exploit the regulatory stuff. They exploit even even the uh, international trade deals and the and the um, nationwide infrastructure and all the things that they get to maximize to get their efficiencies, including having accounting departments, legal departments, compliance departments, all the things that keep the little guy from competing with them, give them a lot of wiggle room on how they can, how far they can push people. It's going to take a lot. Like once Target and Walmart and Starbucks came in and pushed out and Home Depot pushed out all the hardware stores, all the coffee shops, they really are, I think, somewhat invulnerable to competition until things get so bad that people would rather do without. But they put the prices so low, it would be very hard to 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 really take a moral stand to drive those companies out of business. It's like uh, fascism, you know, the com- the companies and the government, yeah, ha- are both serving the same master. Yeah, that's the sense I get get of it too. That it's a little fascist, and I have a couple of clips from that hearing. Just two of them. Which hearing? The big tech regulatory. The big regulation. tech regulatory hearing on that bill that you read. 
mm-hmm. journalism competition. Yeah. This woman speaking is Sally Hubbard. She was testifying as an antitrust expert at the antitrust hearing. Here is one of the clips of her. Competition is would help with this disinformation problem because uh, consumers right now don't have an option of choosing a platform that doesn't boost uh, disinformation with its, al- with its engagement algorithms. Facebook and YouTube both use these engagement algorithms that actually boost the propaganda and disinformation. So that makes me think that working with these already established local companies that have millions of subscribers is another way to boost the controlled news and suppress the non-controlled independent sources. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I I smelled a rat with that. I heard that okay, so she's saying they use engagement algorithms to to promote this propaganda and all that. But you have to have engagement algorithms. I mean, that's competition. But but people will choose different content if there's competition for the content. And the competition for the content is more likely to be there if they don't if the mainstream media stuff doesn't have a kind of most I think that's what this bill is about, like kind of giving them a most favored nation trading status kind of thing. Like you'll pro- promote these guys first. A controlled and, content promoted first is kind of how yeah, I see yeah. it. Yeah. So they'll take the the media these guys will say, Okay, we control so much news and you're using it free. And we want some of your ad boosting, and in return, you need to boost us. Yeah. And that will effectively do away with everything else. But I already left Facebook. I don't even know who it's for, you know, because it's not for my kids. It's not for me. I really feel like it's international. It must – I think its growth must be almost all international. It's also vital for organizing during election campaigns. You told me that. Yes, 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 yes. That's where all those groups meet. I I actually have some clips from some Facebook moderators. We can play in a minute. Here's another clip. Uh, I probably should play this one before, but this is from the same hearing. It's the same woman. As for disinformation, Facebook and YouTube program their algorithms to pro- prioritize engagement, which amplifies propaganda. Through surveillance, Facebook and Google learn what messages people are susceptible to, whether ads or propaganda. Then they rent out these manipulation machines to others for huge profit. The scale of the manipulation is massive because, face, because of Facebook and Google's dominance. And the platforms lack competitive pressure to fix the disinformation problem because the closest substitute for Facebook users is Instagram, which, which Facebook owns. So programmed for engagement, therefore it, it amplifies disinformation. Yeah, I don't understand that. I do. I think I think. I why do. does propaganda have some kind of – why would they want to – I understand why they want to promote ads, but why do they want to promote propaganda? Well, I think what she was saying is that currently without regulation, without this, that engaging content is more likely to be propaganda because it's going to be sensational. At least this is from – their perspective, their stuff is sensational too, but uh, sensational stuff that gets people's attention, stuff that makes people want to know more. Like and, uh, two bodies face down on the Rio Grande. Exactly. <laughs> but that's the mainstream media uh, right. pushing that. But, 
what they can block out is the counter narrative or I don't want to say the counter narrative, but people who ask questions, that content is very con- – there's a reason that people like X-Files. There's a reason that people like these these possibilities that we're maybe not being told the whole truth and alternative media ask those questions which are not the same questions that are being asked and it brings up um, – it just brings up discussions that is that are not being discussed in the mainstream, and that is by by its very nature, it's different. It, it's it's going to be more engaging to people because it's not the same thing over and over again. So you can it, that's that's kind of how I get the sense that they're categorizing it is they they don't want these these narratives or or these questions that would undermine the overall you know collusive narrative that they have together. And I think that that is what she's trying to say is the engaging content that is what she says is disinformation. Does that make sense? I guess. I mean, are you saying that she's like the the National Enquirer is propaganda? So, like, is she saying the sensationalistic stuff? Like, why is she calling it propaganda? Because propaganda propagates something. Yeah, I think she's calling it propaganda because it, it runs count. Just like the stuff that we do is called Russian propaganda sometimes. <laughs> That's what I think she's talking but about. But see, it's got to be propagating something. So if what she was saying was sensationalistic stuff, like sensationalistic, you know, salacious garbage, whatever, is she saying that? I mean, but it's not propaganda. You know what I mean? I know it's, it's not propaganda, but the whole idea is to push out the, the alternative. Word, yeah, propaganda. yeah. Right. Just like they call anything that questions a narrative propaganda, Russian propaganda. It doesn't mean it always is propaganda necessarily. But, the, but Russian propaganda is propagating the Russian viewpoint. Like what the hell she's talking about, I don't know. She's talking about people like us mostly. But, but propaganda <laughs> needs to have a source and a goal. Right. It, I mean, by the very – it's taught a lot. But they're not going to explain propagates. that. But I just don't even understand what her point is because it's I, – I can – if what she's saying is sensationalism without regard to the truth, just clickbait, that I would understand. But I don't understand what well, she's – Well, that, that's like – that's how they – just like they rope us in with um, – when something with Alex Jones happens that he does that's sensational, everybody who – might talk about the same subject but might not be as uh, sensational is thrown under the bus. It's the same thing. But is here, she I suggesting think. that he is fostering propaganda? Yeah, I mean that's what they call that's of what they what, call though? it. Yeah. They've been calling of it what? Of Russian Russian propaganda. Oh my gosh. Oh oh so you think she's just talking about Russian propaganda. I, I think this is the okay. exact same thing that we've been okay, hearing in the so, mainstream right, media I got it. for the past. So so you could so it's just another way to get to that solution. Here's the big picture that I'm trying to grasp, and I think I got it. Everything that's counter to the official narrative, to have us believe whatever it is they want us to believe, whatever it is that would be the, would be this cohesive narrative in any for in any area. If something counters that, some unpatriotic facts, yeah. bust into that. It is, by definition, Russian propaganda, even if you don't know, if you're not really working for Russia, you don't even realize it, because Russia is our enemy, and anything that disturbs our cohesion is Russian by nature. Absolutely. Okay. 
This That's is not expensive. unlike prior to World War One. There was an agreement sent out by uh, a quote voluntary agreement sent out by the Committee on Public Information, the Creel Committee, the first major propaganda organization in the United States that Edward Bernays also worked on, Walter mm-hmm. Lippmann worked on, and. What they did was their whole philosophy was we're not going to do as much overt censorship as we're going to get voluntary agreement. Yet they still controlled every organ of communication across the entire country, but they just did it with this quote-unquote voluntary agreement, don't publish unpatriotic facts. That's like – oh, I wish we had that handy, the JFK Speech that people point to as him identifying this conspiracy because he says there's this worldwide conspiracy to keep uh, to enslave uh, something like that. And people play that clip over and over again. It was JFK talking to the press corps. But what nobody ever does is play the rest of it, which was because of this worldwide conspiracy, which I think he might have been talking about communism. I'm going to ask you to censor the news to support our narrative. Yeah. And please do it. So that's what JFK That's what said. I see here. I like JFK, I, or I shouldn't I, – I don't know about that. I would say this. I believe that JFK's death was uh, one of the two or three turning points that destroy uh, any hope for this country, you know? That the end of like truth, basically JFK, nine eleven, the end of the American experiment, economic liberty was LBJ and and FDR, and really Lincoln and Wilson were significant in getting rid of like uh, sovereignty and independence and minding our own business and all that kind of stuff. But but people think of JFK as this like overarching blanket hero in every walk of life but he wasn't he was he was he played the game he was in on it for the most part he just wasn't all the way i feel the same thing for nixon and reagan i mean these guys were in on it and taking him out is just because they weren't they they weren't 100 percent reliable they had qualms or thought they were who they were whatever but 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 that thing with jfk was very clear to me he was He was asking for censorship, and it was later after that that Operation Mockingbird, which was run by Cord Meyer, who was the husband, estranged perhaps, of Mary Meyer, who was JFK's last uh, mistress and who was killed the day or the day after the Warren Commission report came out. And some think the book I read about her was uh, that she knew it was full of falsehoods and she was a danger. Anyway, that's just a really. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was called Mary's Mosaic. Yeah, well, that's a book. Yes, the book was Mary's, Mary's Mosaic. Mosaic, and it was really a good book. I mean, it wasn't. It didn't like solve the murder, but it was a really good book. I think you hit on something there. Where I think that's what's going on here. That we're all go- going to agree, or get the corporations and everybody to agree to report what's in our best unified interest. And to not report things that aren't, and we're going to sign – and as long as you do that, then you can be welcome in. Then you can have a spot, and you can broadcast. If if you're not, then it's going to be very hard. It's going to be – you're going to be suppressed. So I don't see it necessarily being as left or right, more 
as it being uh, people who question things that are going to fracture that unity that Russia, whoever, is the ultimate demon that we must rally around, mobilize to go to war with. So that we talk a lot about how they keep us fighting domestically, but ultimately they ultimately want everybody to be on the same page when it comes to foreign policy because yeah. that's how you can get a country to go into war. That's why I think the left-right thing is complete bull because the way they're they're presenting uh, – James O'Keefe does some good work, the Google stuff, the Twitter stuff. I think he did one on Facebook as well. He does he does great work, and it's true. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that for the most part there's a liberal bias, but I don't buy into the left-right uh, distraction here for two reasons. First of all, maybe it's part of the same reason. The right isn't real. Is this is this new right that has no ideological backbone anymore because they are a bunch of socialists. They they actually it's laughable to me. I I actually start laughing when I hear clips of like Trump saying, "Are we capitalists? Or are we socialists? We're capitalists, Dagnabbit." I mean, this is a guy who wants to enforce like. Uh, paternity leave or something, you know what I mean? Federal pay for people to stay home with their babies. I mean, that is federal. That's that's not, that's, we could even have a socialist country for the most part, and that stuff could happen on the state level. Many of our states, especially the super socialist ones, are larger than many countries, than many socialist countries. So to the extent that you need a big, like, insurance pool to pay out socialism, you could do that on a state-by-state basis. I mean, for this guy to pretend that that they are small government people or fiscal conservatives is laughable. So I do believe that this, and, and I think there's evidence, I think you could do a study on it, that the right, this new right, the new new right, I would say, emerged as a way to push out the resurgence of the American ideology that was happening through the Ron Paul revolution, the libertarian re- revolution. That stuff was just a was just a resurrection of the very sound, ideologically coherent Enlightenment era American experiment of free enterprise, economic freedom, small government, that kind of thing. I'm not saying people all like that. I, I, I hardcore socialists that think that what I'm talking about is. Is crony capitalism? I'm not talking about crony capitalism. Crony capitalism is what both sides are supporting right now. I'm talking about something that you can't even conceive of anymore. True mom-and-pop entrepreneurialism where corporations cannot exploit government regulatory systems or, like Rockefeller did, they can't – the idea would be, especially at the federal level, that the government would not have the levers to – be able to be captured by robber barons, and I will call them that. I don't call them that because they were capitalists. I call them that because they would corrupt the government so that the little guy that they wanted to buy up couldn't defend themselves when people came and burned their factories down. You know, there there was a corruption that led to these monopolies. Real competition was working, which is why Rockefeller said competition is a sin. So we have these so so the the conservatism the right the focus on identity politics from the right see they brought identity politics to the right as a distraction from 
an, a powerful ideology that we have our roots in. And that is the that is the fake left and right thing that they're that this holy conservative bill, this political bias, one party versus the other is addressing. And that is totally made up, in my opinion. And then so the second half, the second layer, the second part of it is that everybody left and right across the spectrum, except for a couple of people here and there who are permitted to speak out so it looks like the other side is represented, they're all for the wars. They're all for the wars. They support the wars. They support the destruction, limited strikes, sanctions, whatever you want to call it. They're all acts of war. They all lead to violence and destruction and rebuilding, and we get their cronies get the contracts for those rebuildings. So this, so the, so this idea that it's left versus right and that we need to stop Google from supporting a Democrat is preposterous. I don't buy that at all. And so on the one hand, yes, it is about war. It is about uh, it's about keeping it alive that there are two sides to this that looks like two sides, like you said, domestically. But then there's this this bigger level, which the wars probably serve. If you look back at the Carnegie Endowment, Norman Dodd, what he discovered – was that they wanted to change this system, this American system of of free enterprise, small government, individual sovereignty, state sovereignty even. They wanted to change it from an individualistic society to a collectivist society, and they thought of a couple of ways to do that. The most significant way was war, and then they worked to get us into World War One, which they did. And the next way, which is something that you're very familiar with, Binkley, was these uh, associations, and and I say that because you gave me that book by Laswell about uh, national security and freedom, which to me is the first thing I ever saw, which kind of conflated those two opposite ideas as if they were one. Like, you can't be free if people are trying to kill you, so we need to have a complete lockdown so that we can be free. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So so they also said to do associations, historical associations, economic associations, where everybody who was in the association were the ones who would get the jobs, the government jobs, the government university jobs, all of that, and they would all sing from the same page. And the existing, in a lot of cases, the existing history teachers and stuff would not go along with it. So it had to be a kind of... Uh, you just let the old people fall away, which I think is what's happening now when you see the socialism idea and even the nationalism stuff take root in the young people. The older people know better, and they, but, but that's not who's getting the airtime. So I would just say, okay, so what is it? What change do they want from these wars? So it's pretty clear the left-right thing is uh, BS, and everybody wants the wars. So what are the wars for? The wars are not only for the spoils, and I think that— so Everybody I, at the top, I would, I would say. Yeah, I underestimate how much the spoils matter to them. But then at the—yeah, at the, the next level, I would say, is this 5G, Internet of Things, uh, gateway to world government. So even if China's—you know, the best way to get it fast is to set up a race. That's how they got driverless cars. They set up competitions. The DARPA yeah. set it up for for like a bunch of different MIT students. So, you if you just set up that race, that competition, you get it, and then again you've got five families at the top, 
and they they can argue about the spoils, but you are still the junkie in the gutter stealing to pay for your fix. Yes, and we are definitely in a five G race right now, and yeah. people and- people's fix they're they're, they're going to need that fix for a long time. Because yeah, we're definitely and addicted. And that – so the 5G thing is really just I would – I'm saying – I'm thinking of it, using it as a kind of interchangeable expression for what the true nature of the world government government would be. That the way like they're taking our stuff down on copyright law without actually putting in the policy of PIPA and SOPA – I feel like they've just met too much resistance on having a real authoritative UN with power. I'm not saying that's not happening. I'm just saying what it probably is is this network, this web, this World Economic Forum, uh, the Bosch Foundation, the UN, uh, Googly Schmidt's thing, um, Peter Thiel, like all these guys have their kind of parallel. Did you say Googly Schmidt? Yes, what's his name? Eric Schmidt. <laughs> um, I, I once wrote a good article called Keep Your Googly Eyes on Eric Schmidt because of that great, like, googly eye emoji. Yeah. But I can't, I forget the name of his thing, but it's like they all have these. I always, I, I, the Rockefeller Foundation, you look at their websites, they're all identical. It's so weird. And they have, and so I think of all that, like, instead of just saying, oh, hail your new leader, Stacey Abrams, king of the world. Like you're not going to get that. You're going to get, you're going to get. Oh, she's the chairperson of this um, council of think tanks, and they are going to have the keys. They are going to hold the keys to the to the switch. They, they're going to the switch is going to be in there, and the switch is going to be the five G. And and one a big thing I always like to look back on is that Habitat One, a UN initiative said in no uncertain terms you have got to take the arable land offline you cannot have individuals have access to food growing land and there's a new york times article recently talking about how difficult it's going to be how how increasingly difficult it's going to be to live off the grid to be unconnected this was in the new york times last week was this the thing about the where he went to the dead zone because of the satellites were there yeah Yeah. Yes. And uh, I also I think they they attack these these uh, they they try to implement these policies from they attack it from different tacks. So like GMO seed. They say that you can't use it. They can tell if you've grown something that had GMO seed and the people, the farmers who who end up violating that, they don't want to. A lot of times. Sometimes they don't. Like, so I read a lot about this, this GMO thing. Like, the farmers will buy the seed, and then they're not allowed to use the seed from their crops like they used to be able to do. They have to repay for it, I think, or they break the patent. That was one thing I read. But another thing was that the farmers did not want their their crops infected by GMO seed. But when when their, their seed was looked at, they're like, you have our patented genes in your seeds you owe us money they're like we we want to sue you for infecting our genes that we're now not allowed to reuse but but beyond that when they have these gmo seeds i i they're not heirloom seeds so you can't i do not believe that you can grow them strictly through traditional methods i'm not sure but i think it makes it so like people are 
stockpiling heirloom seeds in case there's a problem and they need to recultivate these traditional grains that can just grow with like water and sun and a little, you know, orange oil or whatever keeps the aphids off. I don't know, but I heard, I read where that we're going to be have the first like artificial salad, lab grown salad, and they're doing lab grown steak now. Well, they so are. Like, that's everywhere, isn't that? Beyond Meat, isn't that, or is that not? The Impossible Burger. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't, I, I've just I don't seen know. articles lately that have been talking about this, and it dovetails with that. If nothing's going to be off the grid anymore, nobody knows how to do that in a farm anymore. Then all of this stuff is ultimately going to have to be created in a lab somewhere. This article says the article is titled. The land where internet ends. To find real solitude, you have to go out of range. But every year, that's harder to do as America's off-the-grid places disappear. And it goes on to say the off-grid places are disappearing, and that it, and that's as it should be. We must wire up rural, rural America. Cell service is now a utility almost as essential as electricity or heat. In April, the federal the FCC announced that it will hold the biggest auction of radio spectrum in the in this country's history. The auction, scheduled for late this year, is part of an effort to spread cell coverage to even the most remote towns ahead of the five G ahead of the rollout of the five G networks. Here's the thing: where did where did it all come from? Was this all just organic growth? A bunch of private companies. Without any benefit at all, I don't even think research should be tax deductible at companies. Like I don't even understand why it should be because it's 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 there. They want to promote it. All right, that's fine. But it's I know this. I hate to say anything shouldn't be tax deductible because I don't believe in taxes. So I think that everything should be tax deductible, including revenue. Like it should just be a hundred percent. But but what I'm saying is taxes are often used. Uh, almost uh, almost entirely the structure of taxes is used to again for social engineering but to foster what 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 is wanted what is viewed desirable so like just the income tax being regress uh, progressive supposedly it's not it's not really progressive because the income tax only affects people who earn income from working which the idle rich supposedly the demons of the world don't pay income tax so that, but also the deductions are there. So you can see what is being fostered. You can see that interest on a loan, on a mortgage, and health insurance, those have tax advantages. But rent doesn't, and doctor's bills don't. So it's that is fostering finance. And then when you have research being subsidized at universities and then also being tax deductible, uh that's there so that we can foster progress, so-called progress. But in a truly free enterprise system, you wouldn't invest in stuff until your your labor you were you had labor shortages enough that you needed to take your surplus and invest in capital. That is capitalism. It's capital versus labor, and you take the surplus from the efficiencies of what you've produced and you invest it in capital so that you can have more productivity going forward. But if you have labor surpluses, you don't do that. So it's, it is a natural way to balance labor and capital. But when you foster it, either by direct research 
by the government, by research grants to universities, even by research tax deductions, you're fostering capital over labor. And I, I believe that, I mean, I've seen it that the, I mean, I've done, I've seen tons of evidence that the government has fostered tech beyond, I mean, strictly for tech's sake, for another purpose, having nothing to do with anything. They say, you know, maybe it's to increase our standard of living, but our standard of living is not going to go up if we've got health problems, surveillance issues. We spend no time with our kids. Our taxes go up. You know what I mean? Like, what is the what? And, and even standard of living, strictly speaking, does not really go up when you adjust it for inflation, which drives a lot of this. So, they yes, I can see that it is becoming increasingly a necessity. But that it's like that uh, quote from the mission, where the priest is consoling the cardinal for for killing a bunch of Indians, and he said, or South American natives if you prefer. And uh, he said to the cardinal, uh, the world is thus your eminence. And the cardinal said, thus have we made the world. It's a good question. And that's what the artificial intelligence is going to say in 50 yeah, years, 100 years? It's your fault. No, I just I just feel like, yeah, they can, they can say, well, now we have to because – we already did, you know? It's like, yeah, we have to bring it to the rural because we brought it to everyone else. I mean, that was LBJ's story of his great society where he just did not like poor farmers, backwoods, kind of deliverance stuff. The movie Deliverance was probably made just, just to make people think, oh, this has got to stop. And he is credited for for ending, like that poverty basically doesn't exist in that form anymore. But uh, I'm not sure... I mean, being hungry and uncomfortable is terrible. Like, I, 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 people will do anything to get out of that. I understand that firsthand. So I don't begrudge people for wanting the progress, but I don't. I don't think it's worth it. I think it's used as an excuse to get to this ever more centralized, ever more controlled society. That in the end, what's the point? Because it doesn't make you healthier or happier. It doesn't make you closer to God or Mother Earth. It doesn't actually achieve anything that's supposed to be good. And that's actually what that article was about, was that goodness of the wild. Yeah. The social media definitely is creating – you've talked about this a lot, but it's creating mass psychosis. It really is. Everyone, almost everyone, addicted to their phone or their device. And with children, it's even worse because they're doing it from the day they're born. They're like magicians on these things by the time they're three years old. Yeah. My son with Down syndrome, he he can use some stuff better than I can. It, and actually right now on my way out the door, so it's summer break and my son's kind of overdoing it on the games and and he gets a little not as nice as normal. Absolutely. And then he, so he was being a little fresh and I was like, Hey, simmer down. And there's a little fresh again. And I was like, Hey, and he's like, fresh guy. I said, you know what? I'm taking away. I'm turning off your data. I'm turning off your Wi-Fi, and uh, I'm unplugging the Xbox just for the rest of the day. And like, as we're sitting here talking, I'm thinking, gosh, I wonder how he's doing. Like I need to check on him because I don't know how he's taking it. You know, <laughs> it does spark a little creativity because they always figure out a way to hack around it or, or borrow yeah. friends or yeah, it's I, a little tricky. We turn off data and Wi-Fi, but yeah, there. I think still, I told you I had you one. Can still do it. There was one kid, my friend's kid. 
was telling me about how they because I asked him, I was like, are you guys allowed to use your phones in class and at school and your computers? Like, how do they monitor that? And he, and he told me how they monitor it. And then he just, he was like, it's so easy how we get around it, though. We use a VPN. And he went, he started doing all this kind of uh, techie speak that, that I knew what he was talking about, but I didn't think a 12 year old would know how to do all of that stuff. And I can assure you that the people at these schools are clueless to this stuff. So the, they think that they're preventing these kids from getting on the internet and playing these games and visiting whatever sites they're visiting when the reality is that the kids have all hacked their way around it and told all the other kids how to do it. And the, a lot of the teachers, I'm sure not all of them, but a lot of them, they have no idea because they're getting away with it all the time. And they could, if, I'm telling you, my experience with trying to control YouTube, it's impossible. Impossible, yeah. Yeah, and I throw it out there to the audience. I've done it several times, and I've done it on Twitter. I have a lot of followers on Twitter. I've done it on WSB, and every single answer I get, I'm like, I've tried that. It does not work. I mean, unless your kid is eight years old, so they're going to move the eight-year-old YouTube off off to a different YouTube, I think. But even so, I'm not worried about the eight-year-olds. The eight-year-olds wouldn't even understand the stuff that's truly damaging. And they do it. And, and after you had mentioned that to me, I started wondering, well, I didn't actually, but it rang a bell when my son said, I said, you haven't complained once about the screen time limits I put on your phone. He's like, yeah. I said, are you? It's like, yeah, I just use it through the Xbox. Like, I don't even use the phone then. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so you can do it all. And the Xbox is plugged into the wall, like through a cable, so it doesn't have the Wi-Fi. So when I turn all that stuff yeah. off, that doesn't turn off. There's always a way around it. Yeah, well, I I mean, I do, when I do succeed in limiting it, there's, uh, I mean... You know, you hear the screams the and the shrieks. Yeah. I'm yeah. getting screamed at. I mean, uh, it nobody's... terrifies me. 15, 16-year-olds getting on the road for the first time, it terrifies me. Oh, no. You know what I'm doing? What? I'm so smart. I mean, I hope. Please knock wood. <laughs> Uh, I'm getting a stick shift. You're getting. So I have a stick shift, but so it's that like your a, kids. Have yes, to learn I'm going to get shift? a like super like a tank, an old SUV for when my kids learn to drive, and I'm going to have it be a manual transmission so that they have to put the phone down. That's a good idea, maybe. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, like the time when I'm not going to say like when I used to smoke cigarettes and uh, they're going to try. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna I could try. I I never had a phone at that time, but I could definitely have both hands full and drive a stick shift. Everybody's driven with their knees before at some yeah. point, but the stick shift makes it hard. I mean, the car will stall. Yeah, but there's going to be some people who 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 are the, who figure it out. Who I'm go, just who saying, go in there. And I, I'm going to give it a shot. That's a good idea, though. Although uh, the rural police are going to come and take that car away from you before too long because you won't – if it's a smart car, you probably won't be allowed to have it anymore. I mean you won't be allowed to have it unless oh, it's a Oh, yeah. Smart car. No, I know. I, I'm definitely going to act quickly. And now that I've just released that idea out into the wild, I'm pretty sure that, some, that they're going to be outlawed. I can't remember the last time – oh, I think I have one friend that has a stick shift. I have a stick shift, but it's a Fiat, and it's so dangerous. I can't put my. Kids my brother in. does have stick shifts at his at his shop, but yeah, I I don't know who even makes. Them. I mean, even like the really good cars, like BMWs and Maseratis and Porsches, they have that Tiptronic stuff. So it's like on the steering wheel, you can decide. But like my Fiat, it's in the floor, and I mean, you just have to get a crappy car, old car. So I. Want to play you a couple clips 
kind of talking about similar stuff. The talking about Facebook moderator and uh, you know just what this Facebook moderator says that he and his coworker experience every day, and particularly. While it's interesting, whether it's true or not, I don't know. I do believe that they see some of the things that this guy says that they see. I don't know if I believe his full story. But it's Brian Stelter of CNN's Reliable Sources, the most unreliable source on television. It's his reactions to hearing just the most horrific things anyone's ever told you and the way that he reacts to them, the way that he still slips some agenda pushing in his reactions. This is from – Reliable sources, they have a content moderator, one of the people who sit and look at all the horrible content and decide what gets banned. So there's definitely some agenda being pushed here. Listen to the way Stelter reacts. Sean, just tell us first what the job was. What, what were you moderating? What content were you looking at? Well, I was put into a department that was uh, specializing in graphic content, which had to do with a lot of violence, sexual solicitation, a lot of torture, a lot of abuse with minors, and I also was put into a queue that had a lot of hate speech. My job was specifically looking and researching for the authenticity of a lot of this violent content. And what a lot of people don't seem to understand is a lot of this violent content isn't just stuff that's being re-uploaded from other popular sites, such as Best Gore or Chaotic. It's actually a lot of handmade, tailored content that is actually being auctioned off in these Facebook private groups. And wow. unfortunately, the vast majority of this content had to deal with uh, sexual abuse and torture of animals. I feel like every once and, in a uh, while there's for, a lot of attention around a specific horrible video, most recently the massacre in Christchurch, New Zealand. But you were looking at horrible content every day. You can't chuckle at that. I don't mean I to chuckle at it. He it just nothing threw that non sequitur yeah. in there. They wasn't yeah. talking about Christchurch. This guy's talking about animals getting sexually molested. Yeah. And he's and, having to watch he's having and, to watch this all day as his job. They talk about oh, torture camps. These are the torture camps. Awful. And his response is it, like he even jumped in and kind of oh. interrupted the guy and was like, Well, you know, you wonder about, you know, these incidents like Christchurch and just that that was the plan to inject that the entire yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. When somebody tells Tells you that their job is to sit and watch animals yeah. getting sexually assaulted. You go like Christchurch. You, uh, yeah, you ask some more questions. That's that's why that guy has that job, Stelter, because that's the kind of thing you have to be really good at. Well, he is. Listen yeah. to this one. But you were looking at horrible content every day. Yes, I was looking at this content every day. And how did Facebook react when? You started to experience the symptoms of PTSD uh, after, you know, what was the recognition from management about what's been going on? Well, unfortunately, Facebook never asked me that. And one of my coworkers and friends that worked in that queue with me, unfortunately, uh, started having a lot of problems after watching a cannibalism video and he threw up in the restroom. After that, he uh, was very slow, sluggish. He was like a zombie. Uh, part of the reason that I'm doing this is for him. Uh, he had a very hard time coping with what he saw. It was very traumatic. And this isn't just the more average type of gore that a lot of people are going to see on such a live leak. This is more of the real deal, first person, on hands, all hands on deck kind of thing. 
It raises a lot of questions. One is, why are people uploading this? What is the supply and demand here? Uh, second, it raises a question to me, Casey, about who's going to manage all of this. Is, is, it, is it fair to say, Casey, someone or some algorithm has to try to clean up the sewer of social media? So we have a guy here who just said that his coworker was forced to watch cannibalism at work, not just any cannibalism, but all hands on deck cannibalism, whatever that means. <laughs> and Stelter's question to that is, don't you think somebody should be controlling the algorithm? You don't say, whoa, whoa, you're telling me that you watch cannibalism at Facebook? Right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's shocking. I'm shocked. I I'm shocked, too. I, I had no idea this even existed. Like, sometimes I think, I'm like, you know, there's stuff out there. I never even thought of, you know, like what kind of a job is that? I, they, they've been calling those camps down at the uh, Cortez has been calling the, the camps, concentration camps and torture camps. This sounds like the torture camp right here. Maybe they assign people there who are free thinkers. Possibly. You know, they hire somebody wrong. They're like, I thought you were, you know, I uh, hope that that person mindless. quit after his first cannibalism video. <laughs> And said, you know what? This isn't what I signed up for. I'm going to go take a job at Lyft. <laughs> While they last. And he quits Lyft when somebody eats somebody else in his, when he's riding. No, or throws up in his car. He's like, oh, that reminds me oh, that, of, of the, the Yeah, he's going to have the worst Lyft ratings because he's going to be recounting his stories of watching cannibalism. What's and, your day job? Oh, Jeez, and, and animal molestation. And then Brian Stelter's, don't you think somebody should control the algorithm? You don't dive deeper into this freaking bombshell you just had laid on you. I mean, that that is sticking to your script of questions right there. I, I don't think there's anything worse that you could be told and, and not – I mean, sometimes no, you got to be rattled. there's nothing worse. Yeah. There's and, nothing worse. And he wasn't rattled at all from his list of scripted questions that he had. And what, when the guy's sitting there, we can't see the picture, but like what, what is his – what is he thinking? Is he like, are you not hearing me? <laughs> it was a real weird – Interview because there's well, another the guy, guy is probably weird now. He, yeah, there's no way to not be weird after that. Oh, absolutely. Gosh, I think reading the newspaper is traumatic. Like I'm like I think I have to you know, just switch to the some cooking videos or whatever because I don't think it's good for me to read the Wall Street Journal every day. Well, don't get a job at Facebook then. <laughs> I guess not. All right, here's this guy. This is the last one of these. His final message. Stout, this really shows that he really is focused on this stuff. That Stelter just seems to, you know, he doesn't care too much about it. Maybe a little bit. Sean, finally, your message to Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg is what? My message is your platform should not be a virtual black market where people are auctioning off the unfortunate demise of animals and children and other human beings. You have the ability to stop this. I don't know why you won't. You need to fix your policies, and you need to think of the living creatures that are being exploited on your platform. That's of my Of all message. the issues with these social networks, with misinformation and violence, I have to be honest, I wasn't aware of the, of the issue with animal cruelty and black markets on these sites. It seems every week we discover a new ugly side of social media. These are sites we all benefit from, and yet there are so many dangers as well. Uh, Sean, thank you for speaking out. Casey, thank you for being here. 
Okay. Sean, thank you for speaking out. And uh, yeah, what's that, that was an incredible revelation that children and adults <laughs> and animals are all being molested and murdered on Facebook. And you're watching it all. You're a witness to many crimes. Well, thank you for being here. Well, Jigsaw is focused on sarcasm in comments. Oh, no. No, did you? When I was. I did hear about that. I was telling, I was saying like a show a few weeks ago, I was figuring out or whatever, concluding that a lot of this stuff, a lot of it, Snapchat, Facebook, Google, a lot of it, I think, and I believe it was like in the original plans, is teaching AI how to be AI. So I believe that they're trying to get AI. I mean, I'm not everybody believes this, but they're trying to get it so you can't recognize it when you're online. So I think that what they're actually going to do, it's going to pr- proliferate so dramatically that that you could have entire communities in in the Twitter sphere or Facebook or whatever, and other than the people you actually know, the majority of your world could be fake. So that they can, when they say in the memetics slideshow that they want to enhance dysfunctional subcultures, they could definitely do that if they convince people through the crowd psychology and the mimetics, the mimetics, M-I-M, and your digital herd idea and the crowd psychology that that the people around you are thinking not only your darkest thoughts, but taking it up a notch, but they're not. They're Like, I'm just fearing that. They're going to use AI for those nefarious purposes. However, Jigsaw right now, one of the things they're working on, they're saying they're trying to reduce domestic terrorism, like like figure out how to how to curate out right wing stuff from comments. And one of the one of the things they're really working on is to tell to understand sarcasm in a comment so that they can uh, help delete out stuff with unpleasant tone. And I, that was like a red flag to me that they're 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 doing it for AI purposes because that's like so subtle. But my point is, they are. I know that there's the super dark stuff there and the stuff that's impossible to get to uh, keep from your teens and everything. And they're 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 working on sarcasm, you know, which would be which is actually harder to suppress and also. Not necessary to suppress. And even Stelter, when he said to the guy, he was like, oh, there's a lot of problems. The first thing he said was the problem was misinformation. Misinformation is not a problem like like cannibalism and murdering people and torturing animals. Just think is, about it's like all illegal. Right. Already. Like and it's just fucking illegal. They've and been you can take it down. Talking nonstop about how it's concentration camps and these horrible things that are happening at the border. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that aren't happening that are bad. But then you have someone here. If we take him at his word, and they're clearly taking him at his word, they seem to anyway, admitting that the employees of Facebook watch cannibalism, watch rape, watch murder of children, of adults, of of animals. And he's saying it's out there. They're watching it because it's on Facebook. It's on Facebook, and it's in these groups. What he calls these groups is black markets, little black markets for this type of behavior that only the people who get invited to the certain groups come across. So what so he said – So there's a dark Facebook? Kind of, kind of like a dark web in there that what his claim was 
was that it's unlikely to get reported and taken down because the groups are closed and they don't invite police officers or uh you know, you got to be pretty sure somebody's into that if you're going to invite them into that group. So I would think they vet the people they invite pretty well. I don't think you casually go, hey, you want to join this cannibalism group I'm in? I think you probably know someone's going to be into cannibalism. Right. So that that was his argument is that there's not people seeing it. So these these things are everywhere on Facebook is his claim. I don't know if I believe that they're everywhere, but the fact that this is being treated as though it's true and if it is true – does demand the same kind of outrage as all this other stuff we're seeing in the news, if not a lot more. I got taken down. <laughs> you what? I got taken down from YouTube, which is a Google, you know, kind of similar. For putting a picture. For, for, a, for bullying an elected sheriff. Oh, yeah. Like a huge cop. You know what I mean? For bullying Who that Who was guy. so corrupt. I know, and it was FCC. It was a show that was on FCC, but I'm just saying on FCC airwaves. But I'm just saying that they they actually have the ability and the uh, inclination to take me down. And this stuff, I, I mean, the stuff that my kids stumble upon should be taken down. It shows and, what they care about. And the Supreme and, – and, and what they want is the bad stuff. They want the stuff out there or they could take it down. Yeah, it shows that they care about suppressing the people who ask questions more than they do the cannibals. And, and at the same time, uh, the Supreme Court just – and the, the justice you would never expect. I forget who it was. Alito maybe – Said, uh, allowed a group or brand a copyright for F-U-C-T. Fucked. That's the name of this company. And it used to be you couldn't have that. You just were not allowed to have profanity, obscenity. You're just not in the public sphere. Like, that was not a copyright you could attain. But they changed it now. So the Supreme Court is okay with this. And, uh, and they're also... I thought I saw just sidelong a, a headline, but it was in keeping with other ones I, I had read uh, articles on and stuff where artists are trying to get Facebook not to censor their work. They have nudes. And the focal point, which seems like a BS thing, is probably – it was said at Led Zeppelin album cover, and I assume it was Houses of the Holy because I actually one year did not buy my son the Houses of the Holy CD – because it has little, uh, like the repeated picture of a naked girl climbing up rocks. And I, young girl, whatever. And I just didn't, it was weird. I didn't want to give that to my son who has Down syndrome because it's just creepy. I didn't want him to see that. So I'm okay with that. You know, I don't want that stuff out there. I, I, I don't know about the law, like how I want the law to be. But it's disturbing to me that everywhere from the media to the Supreme Court to Facebook, like there's all these push to allow vulgarity, to allow obscenity, to allow uh, pornography in the name of art or disturbing, inappropriate images out there, and then uh, and, and have videos of cannibalism and stuff. Yeah, how do you yeah. not ask about – I mean they're talking about whether this is going to be allowed on social media. How, do, how does he not say, well, have the police been contacted? Right. Have, I mean, have you illegal. arrested? Have they been yeah. – yeah. That's what they don't understand. It's like this, they want, I shouldn't say I don't understand, but they, they want us to think that these are new problems that are that cannot be resolved by our robust and comprehensive tradition and lexicon of laws. 
We have answered all these problems from piracy to terrorism to pornography. Now, I am a libertarian and a narco-capitalist. I believe in a truly free society, all this stuff is resolved. I believe that you have smaller and smaller groups of competing societies or communities, not even competing, but where you can have like gated communities. You can have whatever rules you want. And, and if everybody agrees to them, and even if you attach those rules to a deed and, and that deed requires that you only sell it to somebody who will also adhere to those rules, that's a voluntary society. That's okay with me. But we don't live in that society. We live in a society where libertarian concepts are exploited for, uh, for sinister purposes and at the same time, your your freedoms are restricted for political purposes. So, like, this is a perfect example. They're going to, in the name of liberty, say, oh, we should have porn everywhere. And then in the, in the name of sensitivity to children, they're going to say, oh, Monica Perez bullies this uh, elected official who wants to undermine uh, our constitutional rights. Because that's dangerous. You know what I mean? I'm not dangerous. I am dangerous to them, but I'm not immoral. I don't foster moral turpitude. But that's, I'm not saying I want morality laws. I'm just saying if you're going to have restricted censoring laws, I understand a body of governments. I understand a system that has laws. I understand government just because I don't think it's working doesn't mean I don't understand it, but it needs to make sense. And the fundamental rights and liberties have to be the ones that protect you from government, have to be like the First Amendment and all the bills, Bill of Rights. They can't – the pornography stuff isn't – doesn't go to fundamental protections from the government itself. You, you could actually let the free market handle that. Yeah, you, you can post that all over Twitter. And yeah, you're not you going to get in trouble. You don't have to, and you don't have to make laws about it. As long as there's enough freedom in the markets that there are competing platforms and you can go in there and secure them yourself, or if there is porn everywhere and always was, if you didn't have these laws that they're now taking away, people never would have let their kids on the internet in the first place. It's that they get you into it, and then it's the same thing with the drug world. They get us into this this society where you look to laws to tell you what's good or bad or right or wrong. And then when they pull those laws away and crony capitalism uses a regulatory framework to inundate the market with gummy pot, you know, you're like, okay, even when it was black market, it was something that you had to sneak around for, think about, take responsibility for. And we're just not that responsible. So it created this moral hazard to have the nanny state yield to porn and pot. I'm not saying I want to keep the nanny state, but I'm just saying uh, they blame people like me for, oh, well, you're a libertarian. That's These are the consequences of that. It's like, yeah, I want a free society. And with freedom and responsibility will come order. But to, to to tie our hands when it comes to knowing the truth about the government and then uh, allowing them 
to distract us by uh, loosening the reins in some areas and not in others is, to me, a setup. I do want to say that 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 stuff was probably uploaded in another country, so it wouldn't be bound by our laws. But I don't think cannibalism is legal anywhere, and I just can't get over the fact that Brian Stelter didn't say, where was this cannibalism uploaded? What country? Did right. you alert the authorities? What's the protocol? What's the product? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But nope, he wanted to go ahead and get to the question about are we going to have an algorithm that's going to regulate all of this and regulate thought because of Christchurch shooting? I mean, it's uh, you just plug anything in, it doesn't matter, and he's going to get around to those talking points every time. And his concern is that someone has to physically look at them to pull them down. So if you have the algorithm, I mean, obviously. You can't be blamed for an over – they talk about – they didn't use it in these terms, but type 1 and type 2 errors. So a type 1 error is when stuff is excluded that should be included in the net, and a type 2 error is stuff is included that should be excluded. So you – there was a whole article – I didn't really understand the significance of it that I read and probably referred to when we were talking about the origins of Google a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about the problem of errors of two ma- of of type two. It didn't say type two, but it was type two errors where they negate too much stuff, and it's a lot easier to blame an algorithm for that than than a human being. And so, saying, "Look, these people are throwing up in the bathroom. We better have an algorithm." And misinformation is our number one. I mean, that's what he said. The first thing he said was, we've got big problems on social media from misinformation to all the stuff you're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, yes, calling for the algorithm is a great way to make sure there's a lot of type two errors. Yeah. Well, that's going to trigger people to go searching for those things, too. I'm not going to. I don't want to see any of those things, but that's going to trigger some people. Well, they record people. your search history, of course. Exactly. That, that's what they use to create the most profound profile of you. Yeah. It's also a way to say here's all these horrible things on social media. If these things are going on, then we absolutely, absolutely need these algorithms. We absolutely need the this regulation that, that we talked about earlier, the journalist competition stuff, to make sure that these sensational things don't get pushed to the top. We, you know, Because we don't want cannibalism getting pushed to the top. We need to get rid of that, and we need to get articles from – you know. Local institutions that have five billion followers, five million followers already that has agreed to work with the social media platforms. So maybe that's what they meant. Maybe that's part of the propaganda that they don't want rising to the surface, although I don't know if that's – if it's truly cannibalism. I don't know if it's It's, propaganda, more or less just very disturbing. But just taking a step back, it's it's so upside down to – Spend all of this time, effort, and money curtailing political speech. Yeah. Speech. Yeah, yeah. When videos like that actually take human beings and kill them. Yeah, why wasn't that brought up at the hearing? Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff that I want to – I don't even want – I don't even want a law. I have read time and time again in these services that want to – screen YouTube videos for you, that YouTube makes it very difficult to do that. 
I just want competition. <laughs> you know, I just want, I just want compensation. Go and find these people to pay back the percentage of their foundational technology that was subsidized by the government. So I just I just want them to say, okay, like we could not have done this without that DARPA grant. Okay, then DARPA probably owns seventy five percent of Google, which means I own it, which means find Google seventy five percent of their value and give it back to the taxpayers and let's see if maybe somebody you know, and withdraw from them that or allow I mean, if you had to have a policy solution the AT&T case was interesting because I was taught, my father was outraged when the government broke up AT&T back then. He was like, what? They built all those phone lines. They should not have to share them. But then I went to law school and my teacher was Baxter, I think, the guy, the lawyer who broke up AT&T. And he was so like conservative sounding, like economic liberty oriented from what I could tell. I was scratching my head and he said... The government did not allow competitors to string lines. It wasn't it, – and, and I believe they may even have used eminent domain to give AT&T the easements and the right of way to be the exclusive runner of phone lines. So I think back in the day, people were just running lines from like one, one place to another all over the place, paying you to put a line on your tree. It was just – it was just uh, – a little good old fashioned anarchy. Now they'll put a whole bunch of um, you won't even know. You'll have and like you can't stop it, yeah. and and your school or your town cannot stop it. Is not permitted to stop it. There's a federal law that currently just came down under the Trump administration that that you cannot stop it, and you can't even drag your feet. You can't wait for any studies. You have to do it within like ninety days. Yes. They call it a shot yep. clock. Got to beat China. Got to beat them. Huawei. Yeah, but there, I think that we also we promote China as well. I think we're, yeah. we gave them that the launching off point also. But I believe that so with the AT and T breakup, what they did was they the government made it so that AT and T had no competition. So when competition couldn't couldn't compete because the infrastructure was too powerful for AT&T, they made AT&T rent out their stuff. And if there's an equivalent for doing that with the companies that have gotten that kind of advantage, I think maybe that should uh, that would solve the problem of, you know, the competition would help. You would have a kid's YouTube. You'd have a teen's YouTube. You would have you would have all that stuff. You would have a church, a church Facebook, you know. Yeah, Christian Facebook, which a billion people could belong to, two, three. Well, the Christian Facebook would probably get kicked off really quickly <laughs> by the by the uh, censor here, not the cannibalism, but. Although I did, well, I'm not gonna. People think that the Christian ritual is cannibalism. Oh yeah, but I engage in it <laughs> anyway. Oh, you talking about the Eucharist? What's the Eucharist? Catholics believe that Christ is in. Communion. Yeah, the bread, the communion. That's what. Yeah, the they believe in tra- transubstantiation, which maybe that's what this guy's referring to. Human flesh. Hmm. Maybe we got this backwards. But it's divine, so I'm not sure if yeah. you consider it human. Anyway, go ahead. There's nothing divine about. I was gonna say maybe that's what this guy was referring to. He just saw a Christian group and I called it cannibalism. So. No, see, that's why I didn't want to bring it up because you can't take it lightly. I know, but anyway, that I'm just saying, like whatever. You could have your own standards. Whatever I could they see are. CNN doing that, though. 
Oh, yes. I could definitely see CNN make the point I just made, but with viciousness. Yeah. So, yeah, you could have your own thing. You know, you could have your own. You know, I'm not calling for regulation. I'm just I I think that the deck is stacked so that you have these. uh, uh, They're like monopolies in each of their depending on how small you define their industry. They're monopolies. And they and monopolies don't really. I don't believe a monopoly exists in nature. So, because other than food and air and water, which is not scarce enough to ever be a monopoly, unless you use force to prevent other people from having it, like Rockefeller did with oil, I think you always have substitutes. There's nothing you can't live without. There's nothing you can't live without except for food, water. Clothing, shelter, all that, which and, is not and internet, blazing right. internet. So, so when there is something that has no alternative, and then all of a sudden we're told that we cannot live without it, that rural areas have to have it because our lives, our very lives, the ability to get food depends on it. You got to smell a rat on that. People learn to build businesses and grow their businesses businesses online, and they don't learn any other way. That's gonna happen. For kids, by the time you know twenty years from now, the only way that they're going to know how to have started a business is online. And you know the beauty of that, a wonderful thing about that is it it is it would be an end to prejudice and sexism. No one will know what you look like or who you are if you just build a better mousetrap and sell it online. Well, they're going to be they're going to have digital. This is what Facebook has been talking about lately. Is like your digital self. Yeah. So, so you there'll be, be the, there'll be these markers. Be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to be eliminating that dialectic anytime soon. I think Which, they'll work that in. Oh, the racism and the racism, sexism. sexism oh, yeah, no, they're, they're I know. Ne- yeah, that's going to be They're going to have to fight in. to keep it alive. But I'm just saying we could right now use this technology they forced us to invest in and use it as a, as a, as a, a seminal moment for the post-identity world of true equality and justice, but that's definitely not the they way could, it's headed. Yeah, but instead, they're just going to ban people who they made dependent on it, and those people, especially ten years from now, are not going to have no. They're not going to have the skills to do anything else. And the one, it's like getting banned from the planet almost. If the yeah, planet exists in the that. digital world, and I'm you get starting banned, to think that now that like you're excommunicated from the entire planet. I am thinking that is there a planet we can go to? But they're they're all over that too. It'll I be. Know. I watched you know, the Matrix the other day, and I'm Muscopia. now I'm, I'm all I'm all convinced oh, that the. That we're in the Matrix at this you point. You re- watched the first one? Yeah, I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I watched it yeah. again the other day. you got to watch Clockwork Orange, man, and The Manchurian Candidate. The original Manchurian Candidate? Yes, I have no idea about the new one. I'm sure it's terrible. That one has Ronald Reagan in it, doesn't it? No, Frank uh, Sinatra. Oh, Sinatra, well, okay. Yeah, and Angela Lansbury, who in real life was uh, a Murder, she wrote? Quite deep state, yes. She was deep state? I think so. Murder, she wrote, was? Luger was in it. Yes. I got to look into that. Yes, I, I think she was military, before. like British intelligence, your favorite. Angel, that makes I sense. Think. Wow. I you see so. this show and, in a uh, whole new light. You know who else they say was um, 
French chef, Julia Child. Oh, really? She was mm-hmm. also deep state. That's what they say. So she was a spy, And wasn't maybe. Doris Day's son involved in the whole Laurel Canyon Manson thing? I saw the movie the other day, Jacob Dylan's movie called Echoes from the Canyon. Now, I had read the uh, Laurel Canyon Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon by Dave McGowan, who died of cancer not too long after he wrote that. But he had a couple of books out. The Psycho, the um, Serial Killer one, I have it here in my office. Some Program to Kill, Dave McGowan. That was his other great book. So, of course, Jacob Dylan doesn't get into at all like that Charles Manson was hanging out there, that there was oh, a, yeah. a studio. They might have mentioned this, but they didn't get into it, that there was a studio in Laurel Canyon where they made, you've talked about this, the nuclear propaganda Lookout videos. Mountain. Is that what it's called, Lookout Mountain? Yeah. But that was the Laurel Canyon scene where all a lot of these people had connections to military intelligence through their parents. I mean, Jim Morrison's dad did Gulf of Tonkin, uh, David Crosby, I think, had some connection. Um, Frank Zappa had a military intelligence connection. Of course, Charles Manson. That was super weird that he was hanging out with the Beach Boys or whatever. Yeah, he was trying to pitch music to them. Yes, he was. I mean, but but if you think of those guys as not Charles Manson-esque, but, you know, Manson, was he really there? I don't think he was there at the killings. He was a cult-like figure, which rock and rollers are. I mean, maybe maybe they didn't know which which way to go with him. (laughs) Maybe it was Jim Morrison and Charles Manson drawing straws. Like, who gets to be the rock star and who has to go to jail forever? Insane lunatic. So anyway, that was a uh, disappointing little movie. But I uh, so oh, but Doris Day's son, Doris Day, who recently died. Her son was involved with that crowd, and he died young. I don't know why. It doesn't sound like a good crowd to get involved with. Well, I don't think they knew. I mean, I don't know what they knew at the time. I mean, McGowan, I was frustrated by his book because he didn't draw some overarching conspiratorial conclusion and connect the dots. <laughs> and, you know, I love that stuff. I'm just I, I, I'm so plot-oriented. I, I can hardly – I can't. I have a hard time with anything that doesn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But it was just information, and I uh, and I and now I really trust it because he didn't really do anything with it. He just gave you the information, but it was overwhelming the connections there. So I highly recommend you go watch Echoes of the Canyon and then read the. Uh, well, don't even bother with that. But read weird, weird scenes inside the canyon was good, not not plotty enough for me, but good. Well, if you're in for plotty, then the next two nights are going to be good for you because the Democratic debates are tonight. This is Wednesday that we're recording this, and then Thursday is going to be the second half of the Democratic debate where everyone will go up on stage. They will show how horribly bad they are, and then there will be calls for Stacey Abrams to step in and run. Yes, yes, of course. After we see how terrible these candidates are, although – I think tomorrow there'll be a lot of people saying how presidential Elizabeth Warren looked. I'm sure they're right, going to so, give that one to her. So here's what I figure. I haven't really followed the blow-by-blow blow news or anything, but I f- assume that what they're going to do is have this uh, debate of whether socialism or socialism light is the answer. 
Yeah. So, yeah. like, the mixed economy versus it, which, I mean, they were all socialists. Like, even the Republicans, they're all socialists. Define socialism. They're all socialists. But that's how they're going to do it. And then uh, I'm, I'm guessing that Stacey Abrams will come in with the simple, obvious answer that recognizes the dignity of all people but still has the practical, efficient, uh, mathy stuff that you want from a real practical leader. Yeah, Trump is a CEO, but he's a hothead and idiot and doesn't love people. I'm a CEO, and I really uh, I understand the necessity of compassion and also of efficiency. I think that's the image that she's bringing in there. I think they're going right. to tee it up for her. And she's like, maybe I'm straight. Maybe I'm gay. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Well, she definitely has that. That uh, I think she's straight, but I think she's very intentionally single and very intentionally uh, and ambiguous. Well, she doesn't look like she's going out of her way to get a lot of action from any end of the spectrum. I think she's focused on. Uh, I bet she's got thing, people locked up. Things of the mind. Oh, like don't the say gimp. That in Pulp Fiction. She, her videos are going to pop up on Facebook. So. She's a very yeah. She's gonna <laughs> one of the moderators is going to be like. I so saw she's a throwing candidate. up in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's all Stacey Abrams. She's a cannibal. Yeah. She's not a cannibal. I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, she's not, but that was funny. Here's an article that says – is from the Washington Post today. Democrats hope Stacey Abrams holds the key, but can anyone else use it? Nice. What is the key? I think the key is to be at the top of the intersectionality ladder at this point. But also be mathy. See, I think that they couldn't decide which one was going to be the idiot and which one was going to be the smart one. Because like AOC, you could definitely spin her background as smart. Oh, yeah. and it, oh, I've got to tell you something funny. I guess we should wrap it up. But I was – remember when we were talking about Iran recently? Mm-hmm. I was looking at this Washington Institute for Near East Policy. Yeah. And uh, the board of advisors, I was looking at it. It was like blew my mind. It was uh, – Elliot Cohen, who was of PNAC, the Project for a New American Century, which called for a new Pearl Harbor shortly before 9-11. Elliot Cohen, uh, John Hopkins, uh, Paul Nitz School of Advanced International Studies, Henry Kissinger, Secretary of State, Edward Litvak, Center for Strategic and International Studies, uh, um, Mandel Michael Mandelbaum, John Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. And halfway through it, I said, wow, this like reads like a Stacey Abrams resume. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, my gosh, that's so funny that I'm sitting here thinking, wow, like this rattling off the deep state institutions around the world. And all I can think of is Stacey Abrams. Everybody else is just like, oh, she's a preacher's girl. She's, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it, then it's so obvious they just take somebody who looks the way they want them to look, gives them an IQ test, which is, I think, what happened to everybody, like Zuckerberg, AOC. I don't know if she ever got an IQ test, but she's not. You definitely got that right. She is no dummy, that AOC. She's a good actress. Yeah. From that uh, um, noisy, visceral popcorn munching to... She's not great, like calling people out with her 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 slams in Congress. Like she's not great at that. She's just not. 
that good at it yet, but I think she could be. Oh, I think she could be, too. And I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, I'm super uh, interested in that. I think I'm going to wait and watch the the debates on YouTube so I can play them at one and a half times speed. I just can't. I just can't listen to them in real time. I can't either. They're things. usually, I ha, given there's 20-something candidates, I haven't seen all their campaign ads or heard their talking points. But it's usually their campaign ads and talking points just regurgitated to whatever question is thrown at them. It's never really a response to the question. In fact, I think Rachel Maddow might actually be moderating these, if I recall. Well, remember when we first – I think maybe our first show was at, together was after this, but it was when uh, Anderson Cooper was reading – he had his cards of questions – and he asked somebody just like some random question and the guy totally didn't answer it and starts talking about like the Fed or central bank, something totally random. And then Anderson Cooper has on the follow-up question was a a question about that guy's like unrelated answer. Oh, yeah. Remember, <laughs> it was just like, uh, there's no, it's like when I watch Bobby Flay, I'll watch Who Beat Bobby or Beat Bobby Flay and they'll have like. The guy there to make kimchi and then uh, the chick there making falafel. And then they have to battle it out to get to Bobby Flay. And then when Bobby Flay battles them, they're, they're you know, what's your signature dish? And they're battling it out and, it, like, the falafel chick wins. And then the judges who are going to judge the final thing are, like, falafels are us, uh, Mideast meets America and uh, whatever, Tahini Palace. And you're like, but what if it was the kimchi guy? Like, did you know that that the, that the falafel chick was going to win? Yeah. How did you get all the – you just happened to – that was like what – that was watching Anderson Cooper. And then somebody, I don't know, it's some troll – just went bananas on me online and to say, like, you're a nut job, whatever. I'm like, look at it. I had a picture of him reading the follow-up question. And you rightly identified that guy and exposed him as a troll. Oh, did but, I? Yes, you did. That was that I you're like, how was the show? I was like, well, it was okay. And so this troll harassed me. And now I kind of enjoy trolls <laughs> because I can get the better of them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You can you're gonna win a few to your side, I think. That's fun too. But like at the time I just I just didn't see it for what it was, but it really takes a lot to harden up. I mean, and I get bombarded constantly because I'm just like kinda of in it and I have radio, so like they call and stuff. But to really just be a regular person on social media, it must be very painful to be a kid out there and have people like kind of gossip about you like i was thinking about teens and high school and what it must be like to grow up in the social media fishbowl yeah awful it's a terrible feeling i mean i used to really get upset now i do like it like now i get it and and half the time i think they're i mean this is why i think they're going to be ai at some point because Half the time I do think I'm like, oh, this is new knowledge posing as a Russian bot. <laughs> Just trying to mess with me, trying to get me kicked off. Yeah. They definitely do that. I mean, you can see the bait. Yeah. And new knowledge is puts out their studies all the time, which may, makes yeah. me think that they're How to continuing do what they do. their operations. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. All right. Well, 
Maybe we'll touch on the um, the debates on Saturday. Yes, perhaps. that would be great. I hope to. Thank you for listening, everyone, and thank you to everyone who has helped support the show. Thank you to all of our Patreons, to everyone who has donated via PayPal, to everyone who has left us feedback on iTunes, who has left us uh, great ratings, who has shared positive comments with us on Twitter and on the website. We appreciate everything that you do, and anyone who wants to support the show can become a Patreon. You can donate via PayPal. You can share the show with a friend. You can give us a rating on iTunes. You can send us positive vibes. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you next time. See you all later. Later.